I'm Kaylin Annan, Marketing and Communications Program Officer of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. This is Delaware State of the Arts. My guest today is Delaware author Bill Crandall, whose novel, Let's Say Jack Kennedy Killed the Girl, is set to be released next week. So Bill, welcome to Delaware State of the Arts. We're so glad that you could join me for the show today. Thank you, Caitlin. It's good to be here. Great. We're, so we're glad to have you. And so, as I mentioned, your novel, Let's Say Jack Kennedy Killed the Girl, will be available for purchase next week in paperback form. Um, it's the first in the Jack Griffin Detective series, which is currently set to be four books in total. Um, and as I'm sure our listeners can guess, it's a mystery novel and, and a thriller. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the story? Well, it starts with uh, two guys named Jack who meet each other for the first time mm-hmm. uh, at a dinner for veterans at the Army-Navy Club. Um, it's uh, 1947. Uh, World War II has been over for most of two years. And Jack Kennedy is a, a first-term congressman from Massachusetts, uh, full of promise, uh, a wounded war hero. And uh, Jack Griffin, who was also wounded in the war, um, was a guy <clears throat> who quit the FBI because he didn't like uh, J. Edgar Hoover's behavior um, and went into the Army, became a paratrooper and uh, and fought his way across Europe. He also was wounded and uh, and his best friend, who was one of the other company commanders in his unit, um, is dying slowly of um, injuries to his kidneys uh, from from being shot. Um, there was no cure, and there were no uh, no implants, no transfers. Um, they meet for dinner, and at their table is a very attractive woman named Betty Dyson. Uh, they're both flirting with her like crazy, um, each of them hoping to walk away with her at the end of the evening. And uh, and they're both doing well with her as far as that goes. The three people are having a, you know, a, a, a nice conversation. It's it's one of those situations. And, uh, and when it's over, Jack Kennedy waltzes off with Betty Dyson. Um, nothing secretive about it. Griffin gets a call uh, a few days later from his new friend, Congressman Kennedy, who says, uh, this is not a social call. I need to hire a private investigator. Uh, take a look at the paper this morning. Uh, tells him where to look. Uh, there's a news story on Betty Dyson being slashed and stabbed, uh, apparently raped and uh, dead. Um, Kennedy figures that 
a number of people saw him with her the night that she was killed. Uh, he's a very likely suspect. And uh, hires Griffin to um, see what he can find out about it because he doesn't really trust the police to do much of a job. Um, freshman congressman doesn't have enough clout to just say, make this go away. So um, the investigation starts and uh, it has uh, a lot of tricks involved, um, situations. Uh, a crooked detective warns Kennedy off the case, uh, Griffin off the case. Um, there are points where uh, Griffin is wondering, is it possible that Kennedy did murder the woman? Um, is there something weird about people who are born into great fortunes and think they can get away with anything? So it goes on, uh, as you know. Um, it's the first in a series, um, which will be released over the next couple of years. Um, this one, as you say, is, uh, let's say Jack Kennedy killed the girl. Uh, the next one is called If Only Truman Were Dead. Um, third one is called But Patton's Dead. Right? And the, and the fourth is Mr. Hoover will hate this. So writing with, um, with real life characters, uh, it's a great deal of challenge and fun. Uh, my, my doctorate is in American history. So uh, this story, uh, uh, this series, uh, grew out of some leftover thoughts I had from doing my dissertation. Uh, and the first one I actually wrote was, uh, let's say, Truman, uh, if only Truman were dead. Um, in, uh, in the period of Tr Truman's first term as president, there was no vice president. He had succeeded to the job. There was no way of replacing a vice president uh, except the next presidential election, which was most of four years off. Um, various things happen, and uh, the Republicans end up passing legislation that Truman sponsored. Um, to change the succession to the presidency so that the Speaker of the House is next in line. And then the Republicans win both houses of Congress. Um, plot ensues. And, and in there, I decided that uh, I, I needed a character who could have some entree to White House staff. And why not use Jack Kennedy? Right? Mm -hmm. So I, I 
I had him talk to Kennedy, and I just I had kind of a throwaway line about uh, Kennedy um, having hired Griffin for some work the previous year. Well, once that was down, I had to do it. <laughs> of course, right? And I mean, I, I see Kennedy as uh, an amazingly talented and capable um, political figure mm-hmm. um, with flaws. Uh, I. I, I I don't know that he treated women badly, um, but to some extent they were a commodity to him. He, you know, he, um, I mean, there's a line in the first chapter of the book that uh, that comes from Jack Kennedy, which is, uh, you know, I can't sleep if I haven't had sex with a beautiful woman. Um, so it's 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 fun working with characters like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have to do some inventing. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Kennedy, Jack's father, was a self-made millionaire, uh, a major political figure who during. Uh, uh, the first two Roosevelt terms thought he might become the, the first Catholic president. Um, he didn't. Uh, as you know, Roosevelt hung on to the job. Um, but I bring, I, I bring Joe Kennedy in. Um, he's, uh, he's a very mixed bag as a character. He's, he's very conservative. Um, before the war, he, he was Roosevelt's ambassador to Britain at a time when, uh, Hitler was knocking off countries. And, uh, Joe Kennedy, um, based on being a conservative businessman and the father of four adult sons, um, was an isolationist. Roosevelt didn't fire him, but he brought him home and sent somebody else back. Um, he's full of vices. Um, he's, he's a loving father uh, with all the distortions that, that the rest of his character bring to that. And he comes down to take charge of the case. Um, So, you know, having these characters to deal with, um, some of whom are historical and some of whom are not, um, it's great fun for me. And, uh, you know, I hope it, uh, I hope it works well for the reader. Yes, I, mean, uh, I think it does. I uh, uh, haven't gotten to read the book, but. Um, what I want to do right now is just take a quick minute to remind our listeners that you're tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV for Delaware State of the Arts, and that today I'm talking with Bill Crandall about his upcoming novel, Let's Say Jack Kennedy Killed the Girl. Uh, and we were talking about some of these characters, and I think at this point it's been hinted, not only is this a mystery novel, uh, 
but it's obviously also uh, historical fiction. Um, right. And I, I just, I kind of want to jump back into that idea of, you mentioned obviously it's post-World War II, Washington, D.C. Like what drew you to that era? What drew you to like, I want to set my novels in this time period? That's a good question. Um, when I uh, was working on my early novels, um, there's, a, there's an awful lot of invention that goes into doing something that's unrelated to history. And that's fine. I, I enjoyed that, but I, I felt like... Um, not starting from scratch every time could be fun. And uh, and I had this thing about the succession that was bugging me that uh, seemed like a plot. And I thought, uh, geez, the plot I'm thinking of would have to be sponsored by a very wealthy, powerful, egotistical man. Um and then it occurred to me, I didn't have to invent such a man. Uh, the Chicago Tribune was being published by uh, Colonel Robert R. McCormick, who was exactly that, that sort of guy. Very take charge, conservative guy. Um, most of even the Republican candidates were a little left wing for him. And, uh, so that gave that gave me a, a nest egg in that period. Um, I was uh, that story w- was set in '48. I was five years old when mm-hmm. that took place. So there's a lot I can remember. There are you know just the feel of things and uh, you know the things that were in my home, you know, cigarette lighters everywhere, you know. All of that kind of stuff. So having that that feel helped. Uh, I lived in Washington when I was writing much of this, and uh, so I could go places. I could if if Joe Kennedy stays at the Hay Adams Hotel, I can go there and see what the view out the window is and and what the paneling looks like. You know, that was terrific. Yeah, and and you. And you can tell that in the novel. I mean, your your scenes are you know you can readers can get that feeling of where are they at, what's going on, you know, being around there, um, and even kind of the historical research with it, it. It comes through in the novel that you really are set in that late 1940s post World War II time period in D.C. Thanks to all of the research and and everything you put forth. Um, I guess one of the one things I wanted to kind of get to was, uh, you know, we've talked about some of the other characters and want to kind of jump back to Jack Griffin. Um, and he's the narrator of the book and obviously probably the narrator of the series. Uh, how did you make sure to craft his character so that readers trust him and, and view him as a reliable narrator throughout the case? I mean, all of the information is coming from his point of view. So how do you make sure... Readers are definitely in tune with him, uh, you know, and and following his thoughts on all of this. I think this is a case where writing in first person 
helps to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of opens the door for the reader to identify with the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack is a, um, I would call him a skeptic rather than a cynic. A cynic won't believe anything. Skeptic says, show me. Yes. I got to have evidence. And, and he does. Um, within that, he's got um, some humor. Uh, I was gifted with that by my parents. And uh, he's, he's got some ability to see things straight. Uh, he, he's not over respectful of authority. Um, and, uh, and he likes to talk to people. Yes. So, um, he, he does, uh, he does a lot of interviewing. He does a lot of, uh, jumping the gun on things. Uh, sometimes he's dead wrong. And, uh, uh as you know, since you've read it, uh, his life is at risk several times in this. Yeah. Uh, often because of mistakes he's made in um, putting the evidence together because he doesn't have all the evidence very soon. So I enjoy that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, interesting character to read about. And I one thing I enjoyed, and I think it was in the novel, or maybe it was something when I was reading and, and listening to some other interviews, he likes to make sure he's called a private investigator and not a private detective. I just wanted to dive in what about his character or even a little bit of you, you know, as the author wants him to make that distinction. Well, uh, let's start with our old friend, Private Eye, because <laughs> most most people who write that sort of novel um don't like the term very much. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it grew out of the 40s, I guess, and uh, I don't know. It, it bugged them. I don't. I don't care a lot about that, but Griffin does. Yes. And uh, he's actually uh, at this point he's the managing partner of the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some significant problems with the guy who brought him aboard and sold him half interest, um, including embezzlement, uh, drinking, um, some genuine sexual harassment. Um, and he has been allowed to retire. Yes. <laughs> take, take a relatively small hunk of the change out of it. Um, he probably is the guy who put that name together, mm-hmm. private investigator. Um, probably sounds a little classier to Griffin. He's, uh, Griffin is uh, sometimes very uncomfortable about class status. Um, doesn't have a whole lot of money. Um, between that and he's also got uh what we now know as PTSD, but 
even during the Vietnam War, the, the major battles as to whether such a thing existed, nobody's even heard of it. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't have the, the symptoms that the worst cases have, uh, which they tended to call combat fatigue or something on that order. Um, he just has nightmares. And, uh, but there, there's, a, there's a super awareness uh, for those of us who have PTSD. Um, and that's a, that's a useful tool. So, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Well, I want to, uh, before we close out the interview, just make sure uh, people can find know where to find you know you, uh, and also eventually find, let's say, Jack Kennedy killed the girl and the rest of the series uh, when it comes out. So I want to mention you have a blog called Oh the Fox Went Out. Um, and that's at ohthefoxwentout.com. Um, but where can listeners eventually find, let's say, Jack Kennedy Killed the Girl? That's already out in okay. electronic form and, uh, and about to be out in uh, paper and hardcover mm-hmm. um, from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I... There probably is some other uh, information on where to get it from devilspartypress.com. Okay. My publisher. Um, brilliant publisher, so really good. Great. Um, yeah, uh, that's, I said I wanted to make sure people knew where they can eventually find that. And as you said, check out either Amazon, the uh, Digital edition is out right now, and the paperback is about to be set to be released. I think it was next week when we were discussing that. Uh, and if you need more info, as he said, check out Devil's Party Press, uh, his publisher, and that should hopefully get you where you need to go if you're interested in this uh, mystery and historical fiction novel. Um, but I wanted to thank you, Bill, for, for joining us today and spending some time telling us about your, your upcoming novel. I have to do it, Caitlin, and I've enjoyed meeting you and talking with you. Same here. Pleasure. So th- thanks so much. It was great speaking with you today. <laughs> thanks.